This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. This is the besotted pride of West London. Podcast. So this is brought to you by Anything Is Possible AIP Media, and we're coming to you on the eve of the Manchester United game. Manchester United are coming to New Griffin Park for the first time since ooh, the 1975 or 70, the 70s. In a very long time, actually. So a lot of excited. Most people, the first time in most people's lifetime. So uh, very much looking forward to it. So we're going to talk about that match which is up and coming. But also we're going to look back to the game at Anfield at the weekend, which was on a Sunday, which as a result of that, that's pushed this podcast back a little bit later. But, you know, that's how it goes. So we're going to talk about the Liverpool game as well. I'm sitting here in the virtual joint with my man Laney. How are you? Yeah, morning, Bill. Um, yeah, I'm good. I'm, I'm, I'm quite potty for tonight, actually. Yeah, you, you know, you say you've got Manchester United on the back of a trip to Liverpool it's 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 a pinch yourself moment I think you know because we lost a couple it becomes a little bit kind of not less enjoyable but you, you kind of lose track a little bit so uh, yeah I don't think I don't think Man United have been to our place since the 30s mate I, I, I think we played them up at Old Trafford once um, but uh, yeah I, it might, might have been the 70s but, but before my time but uh, yeah, a monumental night and uh, hopefully we can make the most Fingers of it. Fingers crossed we will make the most of it. But look, we're going to go back, we're going to hark back to the weekend. We went to, to, well, we went to Enfield. Some of us went up for the for day. Some of us went up there for the weekend, but we all had a very good time. Bar the 90 minutes actually in the stadium. And we're going to talk about the Liverpool game straight after this little break. So, Liverpool 3, Brentford 0. I'm going to ask you straight up, Laney, was that a fair result? Yeah, yeah, it really was. Yeah, pretty much as 100% as you're going to get, I think. Um, uh, we just didn't, I said it on the pod afterwards, we didn't do ourselves any justice at all, I don't think. You know, losing 2-0, probably no real shame. We didn't come up to this division, or most people with a brain didn't come up to this division thinking we were going to win every match. Um, and there was going to be matches where we were kind of outclassed. Um, some by clubs and teams that literally played us off the pitch on the day because they had better players and they played better and they sussed us out. Others when we're below par and, and we didn't rise to the occasion. And I, I think this one's the latter, really. I just think I just thought we were flat. I don't think we were adventurous. Um, and I think we just got what we deserved, and that pains me to say it. And I, I think you know, with a different attitude and and you know with. With, with potent strikers um, we just didn't ask any questions in Liverpool and I, I think you know that's as I won't say rolled over because you know there's a few players that really did try I and mean, they all tried but it was it just it, a win was never on the cards and you know it was an easy three points for Liverpool mate and give us a fairness factor as you do 100. 100 is the fairness factor. I'm actually going to go down a little bit. I'm going to go down to about 90, 90, 90, 
five, ninety six actually, uh, ninety six. I think if anything, maybe it could have been four nil to Liverpool, and they're <laughs> yeah. a little bit gutted that they didn't score a few more. Actually, I mean, looking at the XG, and again, this is very early on in the show as we do. You know, we talk about stats. We don't have Will the spreadsheet winker on the show today because we're just doing a short little review. But Liverpool three point five nine to Brentford's zero point three three. We didn't create very many um, big chances at all, to be quite honest with you. You know, Brian Bumo in the 58th minute, there's a 10% chance there. You know, Ivan Tony in the 71st minute, 7% chance. There's maybe one other as well, you know, after that. For the Brentford create Ivan Tony in extra time as well, sort of kind of around about 6%. But other than that, Liverpool literally created, you know, 50-50 chances inside the box. Like, you know, at least sort of kind of 3, 4, 5, 6, plus loads of sort of kind of 40 and 30 and 20% chances and looking at in for goal they've given it 97 percent pretty much so that was pretty fair result in their books so that just gives you an idea of uh of what we were under there is an argument to say that we kind of defended really well we kind of did our job there really well as well but at the end of the day as laney says we didn't really create much to actually kind of get ourselves out of that game and once they went in front which they did sort of very late on in the first half and they were getting a little bit of stick from their fans for not being able to sort of kind of break us down but after that it was kind of uh, one-way traffic I mean I know you talked about that game and that's not doing it I mean takeaways from that game Laney takeaways from that game is if you don't rise to the, those occasions if you just give the you know those big clubs respect it's, it's not it's not good enough um, to get any points out of it's it's that, that they they that that's bread and butter for them, you know. They play, they play teams that go there, and we didn't look overawed, but we just never got into second or third gear. And you've got to be able to do that. You have to go there and go toe to toe with them, and you have to scare them. Um, you know, they play European uh, plucky European minnows, which you know we're plucky Premiership minnows, um, and they steamrolled these these teams uh, easily because. The quality is is there. They've, they've built up huge squads, and if we're going to compete with that, we know we have to replicate what we did at the early part of the season, and you know a ha- a more of a handful of times since. Um, you go there and you kind of like look around and you kind of let them play their stuff. It's it's all over, and um, it, as you, as you said, it could have been four or five really. You know, Alvaro pulled off a couple of good saves um, and then there's a couple of calamity mistakes by us as well but averages out as a, as I said just a, a functional win for Liverpool yeah I mean my main takeaways is that we definitely need to we need to strengthen you know I, I still think and I've said this before and very many podcasts that I don't think we're going to go down and that's not being, being arrogant it's just I think the position that we're in and we seem to be able to sort of kind of grind wins out if we need to uh, against the right type of teams or grind results out but still I just think you know for our safety and also for our future because if we can get players and we can get the players now we should get them now rather than waiting till the summer to see whether or not we can get them and I know that we definitely have got irons in the fire we've talked about this many times we've got right uh, we- uh, right back or right wing back we've got left back as well we've got a couple of left backs actually that we're looking at as well you know from two different continents now as well which could be quite interesting actually you know one on one side of the water one on the very on the, on the other side as well and then obviously as we look at a winger as well as we know we're still waiting for that to come through personally and people asking you know why aren't deals done as you said you know our directors of football won't believe that you know the, the window should be only a week because uh, when it's a month you get a lot of procrastination and that's what happens they they procrastinate a lot they try and see if they can get better deals they could see if they could just mess you around so uh, there's gonna be a waiting game and normally it's the last two or three days of the window when things happen but obviously the big transfer news that have been uh, going around as well Christian Eriksen which all the newspapers are talking about because, like I said to you, um, I mean, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. We knew that a deal had gone in for Christian Eriksen, but it's not about the deal going in. It's about the deal being accepted. So you sit around and you wait what happens. And that's exactly what come, that, that news has now come out, that, the, that that deal has gone in from Brentford. We're sitting and waiting what's happening, you know, and to see what's going to come back. We know that Christian Eriksen wants to get game time. He wants to play in Qatar. So he's going to be looking at the team that's going to give him that best option. Brentford have obviously said you come to us. He's been released by Inter as well now, so he's a free agent. So he's going to go to the best deal. And it's not going to necessarily be the person that pays him the highest, but I think it's going to be the team that gives him the best opportunity. So there's a lot of interested people and a lot of excited people about this, um, Laney. Now... What I think is interesting is obviously uh, uh, Ericsson is straight swap 
for Jensen. And there's some people that argue that he's good Jensen, the good Jensen that we always want. And as the Mallard, uh, the Mallard, the Allard points out as well, <laughs> he is uh, he is a player that doesn't tackle like Jensen is. So is it just a case of upgrading a Jensen uh, for a player that doesn't necessarily get stuck in on the tackling front? Um, what's your thoughts? Well, you know, it's a hugely exciting bit of rumour. Um, there's obviously legs in it. You know, we've, we, we've said early on, we said immediately, you know, we, we kind of sniffed something was happening. Um, and we've been talking about it on Twitter and then we're talking about it on the podcast uh, a few times. Now, for me, the deal only works if it works for Brentford. Um, it, we know that the player... You know, we know what he went through. We know what we witnessed during the Euros. It was horrendous, and you know, I want to, I want to hope that if it's possible for his dream, you know, his football career to continue, that it's it's medically possible. Um, I don't really think Brentford need to be getting themselves into some sort of experiment with him, where we feel we we have to play him, um, and we upset players that are contracted to us already. Now, you know. Let's let's not beat about the bush. Christian Eriksen is is a you know world or was a world class player um, who has impressed me us for for years in the Premier League. He's he, he's proven that he's Premier League quality. Um, now, I, I I don't think we we can have players come in and be guaranteed starts, um, and I think that that's the the sticking point for me. Is that we have to we have to mix and match sometimes, and depending who we're playing, um, and if for whatever reason his, his his form isn't as as we hoped or as he hoped, then we can't be we can't be having to play him. And you know, for all his faults, um, Jensen is a Brentford player, and he played a big part in getting us promoted. And I think on his day, is uh, is. Very, very worth his place. He's probably one of the you know top fifty Brentford players of all time. You know that might sound that might sound odd, but you know so few have competed at this level and um, achieved promotion to the top flight with us. So I I, I take him all day long as if as long as it's a hassle-free one and we we get him on top of his game. And now you know it's, it's going to be a risk, and I, and I think Brentford is shrewd enough to make that risk work if it's going to happen. I don't think we go into this with like eyes shut. I think we we cover our asses and we make sure that it works for us as much as it could work for him. So, yeah. I, but the the short answer is, um, yeah. Of course, it will be a very positive move for us, but only if it does work for us. Um, I don't think <clears throat> I don't think Brentford are the type of team that will actually uh, play a player if you are told that you have to play every single game. That's not really our style. I remember earlier on in our sort of kind of career, our rising career, when we had now, we when we were signing loan players, and I think the player was uh, George Saville. We signed George Saville from Chelsea, and they tried to put a clause in there to say, like, you know, you have to play him every day, every game. And I think what we did is that we said, no, we're not going to play him every game, but we flipped it a little bit. So what we said is that what we'll do is that if we don't play him, we'll pay you a bit more money. You know what I'm saying? So kind of we had the incentive to play him if, you know, it will financially hit us if we didn't play him. But at the end of the day, we weren't forced to pay him and we actually had to end up paying Chelsea a bit more money. So it kind of worked for us in that respect, in the fact that we weren't forced to. So I think that Brentford would, you know, definitely are not the type of team that would do that because it obviously doesn't work for us then. But the the flip side I would say to it as well is that, you know, and a lot of people are talking about this, Ericsson and his experience could be kind of, you know, very important in and around the changing room. You know, we, OK, we've got a few sort of, you know, I mean, I mean Sergio Canos is probably our most experienced player in the side, you know. So uh, we had Henrik Dalsgaard in there before. So to actually get someone in and around the changing room who is sort of quite very experienced also knows Thomas Frank I think Thomas Frank used to coach him I think back in the the, the, the Danish what was it, under 19s or something like that but you know yeah, Danish yeah. youth team so he you know he knows him very well from, from, from then back in the day obviously he knows Norgard he knows um, Jensen you know he knows a lot of players you know it, it would be a good place for him to come we're talking not as if he is coming but we're talking about the pros and the cons of a player like Ericsson coming to Brentford so yeah there are a lot of pros and obviously it's a short-term contract a six-term uh, six-month contract if it does happen so you're talking about getting us over the line 
to um, stay in the Premier League, which is our objective, you know. Interestingly, obviously, yeah. there's a financial uh, thing there because obviously, if you stay in the Premier League, we get another hundred odd million pounds, which is very important to us. Like you know, so does that mean that Christian Eriksen, you know, will get paid over and above all the colleagues in the in the team? Um, the answer is I can't answer that because we don't know. The answer is probably yes, but because it's a short-term contract for six months, you know, that would kind of be overlooked, I suppose, by Brentford as a as a short-term option to try and get us over the line um, I look at it I look at it like this Bill as I, I, the old auto analogy you know if you're, if you're going to get if you're looking in the market to get a new car and you've got BMW 5 Series that's been offered to you and then all of a sudden someone comes in and says oh but I've got a Ferrari that, with a slightly dodgy clutch but it's alright so you can either have the BMW sat on your drive or your Ferrari sat on your drive for six months. Which one do you go for? It's uh, as long as, as long as the clutch isn't going to give up. You, I think you'll have the Ferrari sat on your front garden, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So listen, I mean, this is future talk that we're talking about. Obviously, we're in the transfer window. We'll be hearing more news very soon. We've got about fifteen odd days, a couple of weeks till the transfer window shut. So this is going to be going on and on I think just coming back to the Liverpool match actually you know um, for Brentford you know who, I know you're going to ask a question who played well for the Beast um, for me um, Brian and Bumo I thought again I think he, he comes out of that with a lot of credit he didn't stop running um, didn't uh, shame he had to come off but you know the game's lost at that stage and you know you want him for tonight um, uh, hopefully there was there was no other reason for doing that Um I don't think a lot of other players come out of it. I mean, I think um, Rico played played well to start with. Um, he came off again, maybe precautionary. Um, Alvarez made a couple of good saves, but he cost us. Um, <laughs> he cost us again. I think just as you know, I don't want to get into. A, I don't want to get involved into another Alvarez conversation. I don't think. Alvaro conversation rather um, um, and um, yeah a few others mate you know Ivan Tony was he looked frustrated and and uh, and um, way way below so yeah I, I think I think Brian and Bumo is the only one really that I, I'd say had a standout game Christian Norgard for me and it's serious some of that saying it week in and week out but I just think that he's he is a player that just kind of still seems to hold it together and I thought that he had a in the circumstances, a, a, a reasonable game as well. I do like Christian Norgard and, and I can't wait to see him in a in a situation. You know, like I said to you, look, we're we're fingering the dam at the moment now, and I I do really do believe within you know maybe in a month's time, probably probably by the time we play Crystal Palace, probably by the time we play Newcastle, that we're going to be a sort of a new look Brentford team. So I can't wait to see kind of like how he operates in that environment when, fingers crossed, we'll have a few new players, which is going to give us a new dynamic. Um, I'm just going to say, looking at Liverpool, OK, let's just talk about Liverpool, OK? So, OK, we're going to talk about Liverpool, the city, fantastic city, great laugh. Everybody that I know really enjoyed themselves, sum up, went up for the day some went up for the weekend I went up on the Friday evening with my daughter and her mate the two Bellas as well stayed with my mate Fireman Ben you know and uh, I took up another kid up as well Io with me who's actually a Liverpool fan it was his first time in Liverpool and in the cup he's only 11 years old he was so excited I had a great laugh I had a babysitter as well which was able to leave the kids so I had a brilliant night on the Saturday night met up with a spirit of Shankly crew like you know as well and um yeah and uh tell you something i had a, I had a great um kick football out of football session a lot of the bees fans were out there on the saturday night as well they had a good time i think Dimi darren had a good time i think too good a time because this hotel room was uh, slightly uh disheveled shall we say um on a sunday morning um but so so that for me was great and going to the game there was this aura around Liverpool. I mean, I got there at 11 o'clock in the morning. Right? And I thought, God, I'm going to get there really early. And I've got there. And I'm not being funny. I thought, God, blimey, I'm late. You know, the place is full of people. And uh, it had the horror of their club shop was bigger than our stadium almost. It was amazing. Like, you know, so I kind of did all that, you know, um, the Liverpool thing, the murals on the wall. We went to Teggy's Bar or Taggy's Bar beforehand, which was great. Met with uh, met with the old Anfield rap as well, Neil and John from the Anfield rap, you know, which is again proper proper great guys, and you know, and all that lot. So everything about the match was great. I thought the build up to it, 
it was when we walked into the stadium, which I was a little bit disappointed, I have to say. Um, the, the stadium reminded me of uh, going into the new road. I mean, the, the congestion in the new road, it was very much like that, trying to get to your seating area. We had the safe standing as well. We were in the corner. Um, and then the atmosphere, you know, they did the you never walk alone. But then after that, it was flat. And to be fair, my uh, spirit of Shankly said, it's going to be really quiet today. I'm, I'm warning you, we're going to be really quiet. And they said to me after we told you, and I, I, I have to admit, I was quite stunned. How about you, Laney? Yeah, I, I agree. It's, it, was, it was really flat inside there from the Liverpool fans. Um, you know, the you never walk alone looked looked kind of impressive with all the, the scarves didn't really hear it um, uh, and it, it was yeah they, it was just flat um, and, and as you said it was really cramped inside the, the our part of the away end as well which really really surprised me and um, it just seemed to be a bit of a design flaw I mean obviously it, it meets all safety regs because of obviously Liverpool, Liverpool's history etc but um, yeah it was just just a bit weird um, so, uh, but yeah, that's that's, that's we, we were we were warned, weren't we? They, you, well, you know, before the game, they sort of said, "Oh, you, I'm sure you'll get a where's your famous atmosphere moment." And I think maybe there's a reputation growing that yeah, Anfield, um, you know, part, there's a lot of tourists there, and it's, and it's a fact, and uh, it's a, it's a shame because uh, you know it's it's quite an, it's quite an impressive stadium as you walk up to it. Yeah. Just didn't match it inside, mate. Yeah, I mean, it's almost like it looks like there's a balance up. I mean, clubs look at their um, their bank balances and they think great this is what we're in for we're in you know we're a business and we want to make lots of money so as long as we get bums on seats that is what's all good it's interesting though because and, and a lot of fans a lot of new fans saying you know you guys you don't like new fans it's nothing to do that at all we love new fans um coming to the, the games but what we did is that's a bit of a laugh remember when we said look when we get to the new stadium we know we're going to be restricted so if we're restricted we want to make sure that everybody you know seats are going to be you know they're going to be you know prime you know, to get a seat, to get a place at the new stadium. So we want to make sure that everyone that comes in the stadium gets involved and gets those on the songs and make sure that the atmosphere is right. Because if not, it's going to be like a lot of the places that we've been to, like your Leicester's a lot of the time, or your your Wiggins, or your your you know, or, or your, your your Boltons, where the atmosphere is really terrible. Like you know, and you know, even Fulham. A lot of the time, you know, Fulham have got their reserved kind of neutral spot where they basically pull tourists off the plane to go to the game. And I think there's a danger between clubs sort of kind of sort of pulling people in to be, you know, commercially successful as opposed to kind of sort of kind of building your fan base with, you know, fans who, you know, are there through thick and thin who really believe the team. And, 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 and this is not a disrespect on people new coming in because we love you and you wanted to come there. But it's almost like, you know, we had a bit of a laugh when we said, you know, if you're, if you're going to come to Brentford, they should sort of kind of sign this sheet and have a look at this sheet to sort of say all, all the things that you need to do. You need to sing, you need to kind of, you know, and it was a bit facetious when we were saying it, but you could see what happens now at Liverpool where you see that there's like no singing and, you know, people sort of don't really kind of know what to do and they're sort of kind of just, you know, OK, listen, everyone's allowed to enjoy football in their own way, but it does detract from, you know, the experience really, doesn't it? Well, it was hard. It's, it's, we always wonder what is the point of half and half scarves, and that was the that that was the definition. They they were invented for Liverpool's tourists, for people that go to the game and they buy a half and half scarf, and then they they you know then they they walk in and they do you never walk alone, and then they don't go again ever. Um, and that's not to, that's not to slag off you know tens and hundreds of millions of like real hardcore Liverpool fans but the match day experience it does it, it does smack of half and halfness um, and I guess you get that but uh, we've got we got a massive game tonight to, to, to blow that out of our system um, we have to we have to move on from two back-to-back defeats we, we, we've done ourselves absolutely bugger all justice in the Southampton game or the Liverpool game and tonight we have Manchester United, arguably the biggest club in the world, um, Cristiano Ronaldo and you know one or two other world-class players that they still have. Um, and their, their recent form is pretty shaky. Um, I've, I've watched a, quite a bit of Man United the last few weeks and they're there to be got at, Bill. So it's, it's, it's like wipe the slate clean again and move on because we have to get... A couple more points on the board um, from two home games tonight 
and uh, and on Saturday. And we can get three points, great. If we can get four points, great. If we can get six points, happy days, mate. Happy, happy days. Just quickly, just coming back to the Liverpool game, we talked about the stadium and the atmosphere. The Liverpool team, though, you know, there are some big names out there. Okay, there's a couple of names that are missing, like Salah and Mane, but there's still some big names out there. You know, were you impressed with what you saw out there, Laney? And especially thinking we're playing against this lot. I mean, we are on the same playing field, you know, even to a certain extent against them. What are you thinking? Yeah, I was reasonably impressed. You know, you've got, you know, Virgil van Dijk. He, did, he put, did he put a foot wrong? Yeah, I, again, you know, it's, it was the, did he break sweat? That's that's the question, you know. If you go to if you go to Anfield and expect anything, you have to make players like Virgil Van Dijk break sweat. I'm not sure he did. Um, you know, Joel Matip. I thought he was he played he played good. Trent Alexander Arnold was was he got a lot of the ball, didn't he? he got an, got he got, an, got an assist. Sorry, sorry, got a goal. Um, um, Jordan Henderson was everywhere. Um, Firmino, um, Diego Jota. Did I see much of him? Don't think I did. Um, um, so yeah, I it it was they did what they had to. Um, but I, you know, I think Van Dyke was 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 head and shoulders literally above everyone. I mean, I thought Robertson was good down down the left hand side. Again, he's one that was always popping up and causing problems as well. And obviously Fabinho as well. He got a goal as well. I mean, he's just, you know, again, it's quite annoying, really. You know, but again, it was it is quite amazing. A lot of people sort of saying seeing Brentford playing against Manchester United for them was just uh, was amazing. And yes, we didn't do what he had to do. But a lot of people left that game. They weren't disappointed. They were disappointed slightly by what we did but they weren't disappointed because at the end of the day we weren't expecting anything from that game and I think as opposed to say for example the Chelsea game where we didn't expect anything and then we came away thinking God we could have got a point or even three points from that that wasn't the, 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 the thing here so but we were proud of the fact that we were able to go on the pitch against them do something and then come home and then we're going to play Man United but anyway listen talking about that I mean JB he's got some facts and some funk about that game at Anfield and us playing Liverpool. Let's go over to JB and let's listen to his facts and his funk. Are you ready for this? I told you it was coming. Who? JB. And he's ready to stock it to you one time. Uh, get it. Hello, Jonathan Birchall here again. The trip to Anfield saw us continue with an unwanted scoreline sequence. In 13 of our last 14 league games, we've let the opposition score first, Everton being the exception. This is also something we were doing in the latter part of last season, when we did likewise in 16 of our last 34 league and playoff games. Whereas in the Championship we were able to get back in the game for a winner or draw in 12 of those 16, in the Premier League we've only managed that four times in the 13. Sunday saw us fail to win a corner during the game. It's over a year since that happened, away at Watford in December 2020. This season we averaged 3.7 corners a game, compared to 4.6 last season. Since we started playing in the Football League back in 1920, to date we've only had 51 goalkeepers who have played in excess of 10 league games. Of those, there have only been 5 who on average conceded one goal or less per game. Szczesny, Dave McKellar, Ben Hamer and Steve Sherwood were all hard to replace. But to take the place of the best in our history would always be a tough ask. Conceding only 83 goals in 97 games. The best is, of course, David Raya. There you go, JB, Liverpool facts and funk. And yes, we're not great at uh, getting back into the game, as he said to you as well. And I didn't, I didn't actually notice there were no corners in that match. I just didn't even, didn't even occur to me. And uh, we, we do like a corner or two, you know, sort of heading it straight, heading it straight to to the opposition. But it didn't really happen there. Um, look, looking forward, what we're going to do is that obviously we've got a big game. Well, so on Wednesday night against Manchester United, we are going to t- take a little break. We're going to come back and we're going to talk. Manchester United. So Man United coming to New Griffin Park. 
bit weird sort of saying that you know Ronaldo's going to be kind of in our dressing rooms I was I still say this as well I would have loved Ronaldo to have gone to Old Griffin Park because he would have been so confused like you know but it hasn't happened they're coming to New Griffin Park today and it's a clean slate as they say uh, I still always have the belief that Brentford will um will go for it because we've seen what they can do and they always seem to raise their game for particular type of teams didn't quite happen at Liverpool on, uh, on on Sunday but you know Man United it's a different beast as they say and uh, as as you said a little bit earlier Laney they're not particularly on great form um, yeah they've got a few results under their belt as of recently they've got a change of manager but you know they're a team that is is got a ball what, what are you going to do actually we're going to go over to Andy Mitten from United we stand and we spoke to Andy actually last month about Man United what we're going to do is we're going to listen to what he had to say about Manchester United <laughs> Hello Brentford, hello Besotted, I'm Andy Mitten and I edit the Manchester United fanzine United We Stand, I've done that since uh, 1989 and I first visited Griffin Park about 10 years later to see uh, a game which was nothing to do with Manchester United and I started this season at St George's Park uh, with Real Betis, the Spanish team and also staying in the hotel at St George's Park with Brentford and that was following a pre-season friendly at Old Trafford so we're looking forward to the first ever game at your new ground maybe I shouldn't say this but after Man United played at Watford a couple of years ago I stayed near Brentford and I walked past the new ground on the way back to my hotel and being a bit of a football ground geek I went to take some pictures and got asked by security what I was doing and told to uh, clear off so I've been to your ground just not seen a game there yet so, Manchester United now, well, quite low-profile club, aren't they? You probably know what's, don't know what's been going on. But there has been some uh, news stories and, well, several changes of manager. How's the season been so far? I think if you're asking me now, it's been disappointing. Look at the league table. This was the season when Manchester United was supposed to properly challenge for the title. Something that the team have not done since 2013 with that last title win, the 20th title win under Sir Alex Ferguson, United finished second a couple of times but even then under Jose Mourinho and Ole Gunnar Solskjaer last season were never in a proper title race. Ole was sacked, Michael Carrick took over for three games, did very well and then he decided to call it a day two and Ralph Rangnick has taken over. Ole was a big Man United hero you say, how hard was it to see him go? Yeah he was a hero but it's in football management and it's about results. He's a good guy. I knew him from when he first came to the club in 1996. He was a good person to deal with. Obviously made his mark as a player. But management is different. I was sad because um, I, think, I think he was making progress. Up until that last couple of months when results nosedive. He was doing alright. Second place last season was not a position Manchester United fans thought the team would finish last season. And then getting to that Europa League final. Now, losing that on penalties was a big blow. And, and I interviewed him immediately after that. And I could see he was, he was flawed. Just looked in his eyes. That was in Gdansk in May. And then this season started with three new big signings. Cristiano Ronaldo, you might have heard of him. He's from uh, Portugal and he plays football for a living. Uh, Rafael Varane from Real Madrid and Jadon Sancho. Uh, in a transfer which went under the radar. He came from... Borussia Dortmund, you may have read about it a little bit. Uh, when they came in, people thought United will get even better, will properly challenge. So when that didn't happen, um, the disgruntlement grew and grew. Now, with Man United's fan base, it's, it's a global one. So you've got very interesting differences in the demographic. And what you often find is the mood inside the stadium is very different to what it's like online. And online, people are never happy. Winning 5-0, they're like, why is it not 6-0? And it's really weird for us to see that. There's nothing we can do about that. But towards the end of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, I felt the fans inside the ground were slipping. I said after a game against Everton uh, on the 2nd of October, Ole's losing the moderates now. He's, he's starting to lose proper support. And that was after a draw at Old Trafford. Defeats followed. Heavy defeat at home to Liverpool. Outclassed at home to Manchester City. So they're your two biggest rivals. And then that hammering at Watford as well. So, been really, really disappointing. 
and I've kept in touch with him since he's left. I think he appreciates the fans are still singing his name at every single game. Ralph Rangnick has got an excellent reputation and when he signed, he was seen as a standout candidate. Uh, him and Rudy Garcia were the last two for the position of interim manager. And then you had people like Jurgen Klopp and Thomas Tuchel being real advocates of, of Ralph Rangnick. With Manchester United fans, a lot of them didn't know a lot about him and it was always going to be about the football and the results that they played and it's been pretty underwhelming so far. Uh, Rangnick has tried different formations, the results have been pretty unconvincing, um, the performances, uh, just some of them have left United fans pretty worried. So he speaks really well when he does stuff with the media and I've spoke to him and asked him a lot of questions, but he's got a really tough job set against the fact that most of the players know he's likely to be leaving in just a few months time. So it's a, it's a tough one uh, and United fans are predisposed to like him and support him. They love Dolly, but they knew at the end that it, the results were just not good enough under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. And there's very little support for him keeping his job towards the end. So that's how it is with um, with Ralph Rangnick. With Ronaldo, uh, I was excited when he came back. I still think he's got it. I watched him closely in Spain. I watched him in Italy. His statistics were still incredible. I know the club were especially excited from the commercial perspective and you hear some of the figures and it's just so off the scale. You've got this whole new demographic of people who are Cristiano Ronaldo fans. So I was walking up to the ground in Bergamo for the Atalanta-Manchester United game a month back and I met two people from Milan in their early 20s, male, female, and they described themselves as Cristiano Ronaldo fans. I'm like, what? What? Yeah, yeah we love Ronaldo. But you're from Milan, you're from a brilliant football city. Yeah, we're Inter as well, but um, we're Ronaldo fans first and foremost. I'm like, this is just so weird to me. But the world is changing. And if they want to buy a ticket to see Cristiano Ronaldo, and uh, he, he played really well in that game, then who am I to say whether that's right or wrong? He's been scoring. Um, he, he, he's, he's, he gets the key goals. He makes the assists. There's times where he does very little in a match. So... There's no real case for, for dropping him. And with his, uh, you know, he's 36, but he's, he's a freakish 36. He still jumps higher than any footballer I've ever seen. And he's, 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 he's holding his place. There are other players I'm more concerned about rather than Cristiano Ronaldo. So with the Brentford game pre-season, I thought it was a great game. I wasn't surprised. I wasn't thinking, oh, here's little, little Brentford. I was thinking this is a club who've really done well on and off the pitch and I mean I'm talking to people here who know far more about it than I, I do but for me Brentford for years were a team who got four five six seven thousand you could pass the ground when you're on your way back out of London uh, I went to Griffin Park as I said I liked it I respected the club um, and then you saw the rise and the well-documented reasons for that rise I like the ground, I like that it's not been built miles out, I like it that it seems to be very central, that they've made a lot of um, use of what seems to be a small space to me. I'm already thinking, can it be expanded? And I don't know the answer to that. We've got another Premier League team now in London, but I think Brentford has been really, really refreshing. And I think a, a lot of people are predisposed to have a lot of goodwill towards Brentford this season. Your first season back up. And this isn't plucky little Brentford. This is a team that's done things and a club that's done things in a really professional way and come up out of the Championship against much bigger clubs without having the advantage of the, the parachute payments. So well done. Well done all round. Uh, I know that there's injuries at the moment. I obviously want Manchester United to win on, on Tuesday night. I feel that Brentford will be better than Norwich on Saturday and Norwich held Manchester United for long times in the game. I'll be disappointed if Manchester United do not win at Brentford. I just will be. I think if you're Manchester United, you've, you've got to be getting a result against a, a mid-table team. And I'd say the same at Old Trafford, but that's not to detract from my, my respect that 
have for you and for the Brentford fans who followed the team for years. But it's been brilliant just to rise and come up and see your team playing in the Premier League. And I'm interested in questions like, were there any growing pains? Are you looking at the person next to you thinking, where were you two years ago? Uh, I don't know the answer to that, but that sort of thing intrigues me. You're selling out every week, your average crowds are going up. Um, it seems that there was a big consultation with the fans as the stadium was being built, so I like that, but this is an area you know far about, more about than, than I do. As for the game against Brentford, I think Manchester United need to play well and win, but I've been saying that for months and it's not been happening away from home. At Villa at the weekend, United played well for 70 minutes with 2-0 up and drew 2-2. With Brentford, um, I know results have not been going well for you. But as Ragnick pointed out, we've had some excellent results uh, at home. And the United fans who are travelling, they're really looking forward to going to a new ground. And it's a big game for Ragnick. You know, if United lose, the, the mood will completely sink. Um, and Manchester United really should be looking to at least finish in the top four. And at the moment, the team are in seventh and really unconvincing. So a win would absolutely lift the mood. And you're probably saying the same thing at your end as well. Prediction for the game. Oof, really hard that because we're not that good. We're not that good at all. So I'm going to go for the Bs. One. Manchester United. Two. Be nice talking to you. What I'd say about Besotted is it's my first time speaking to you, but it's a fanzine name I've known for years and years and years, and I think that's fantastic. And that's the reason I've done this because you can imagine with Man United, there's no shortage of po podcasts, and I could actually spend my life doing podcasts for free. Unfortunately, I can't go to the bank manager and say I can't pay the mortgage this month, but I've been on loads of podcasts, so I do respect the old school fanzines, and Besotted was definitely one of them. So. I doff my hat, doff my cap to the old school Brentford fans and looking forward to the game. And then back at Old Trafford and hope to see you in West London soon. All the best. That was Andy Mitten from United We Stand. And yeah, like I said, he spoke to us last month, but he's given us a little update there as well as to a few thoughts on Manchester United. And... Uh, Manchester United, good at counter-attacking, good at creating long-shot opportunities, and good at creating chances through through balls. So that's where Manchester United are, but we're weak at defending attacks down the wings, defending long shots, st stopping opponents from creating chances, avoiding fouls in dangerous areas, defending counter-attacks, avoiding individual errors, and very weak at avoiding offside. They like short passes, uh, attempt through balls often, attacking down the left, they rotate the first 11 and they're aggressive. So looking at that, you know, again, you know, we've got work, work cut out, but, you know, we <laughs> plenty of opportunity there, isn't it, Laney? Yeah, there's bags of opportunity. Um, you know, the, the, the last game out, I mean, the, since, since this Runyek's come in, there's, there's been no bounce at all. Um, they got rid of Solskjaer um, because, you know, the performances and the, and the, the, the results were, were flat. Um, and it, it's, it's, it hasn't improved at all. Um, the players look like they're sulking a lot of the time. Um, there's they're they're moody. They're, they're, there's no there's no real there's no real happiness there. And you know, and, and I think if we is one or two players that we can get at, and I, I think we can ruffle them. I'm not saying we we you know we, we, we go full shit house mode because I think we've got uh, I think we've got the ability to, to to trouble them anyway. But you know, Bruno Fernandez is is he's got a booking written all over him. Cavano's got booking written all over him. We know that we know that if um, um, Cristiano Ronaldo plays, we know that he's he's, he's a stroppy one as well. Um, they have got they've got a lot of like I call posy players that they're happy when it all goes their way. I mean, they're world class. Don't get me wrong, but they're probably going to be relying on. Um, Scott McTominay, he's the one that worries me. To be honest, out of all that all that talent that they've got, Scott McTominay in recent weeks has been uh, great for them. You know, we cannot give him any chances to shoot anywhere on the edge of the box outside the area. He's in incredible form. He was suspended for the for the Villa game, but the Villa game showed me because I think Villa and Brentford have got a lot in common in the way we play, in the spirit we play. 
um, and Villa in the last 10-15 minutes they they did exactly what we did to them um, on, you know just into the new year when we, when we turned the Danny Ings goal around and when we got the we got the winner um, we got the Roslev winner uh, it it showed that there's the blueprint to to to, to get at uh, to get at Man United. Press them hard, get the ball wide, attack, 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 and they they do they crack. Um, you know, I'm not sure what their the defence is is going to be uh, t- tonight, but you know they got they got you know Maguire, um, Victor Lindelof. Uh, uh, They've got they've got Phil Jones back in the camp. You know that they're, they're not. This is this is a Man United defence that is there to be got at. Um, and yes, of course they've got they've got players at the other end. You know Lingard that might might feature tonight. They've got got players that can come at you with pace. But if we're really solid and we can get Mbuma and we can get Tony looking like the Ivan Tony that we you know we know and love. You know, there there's big opportunities tonight. We we have to literally blitz them in in, in phases. Right. I mean, and, coming um, to your there's there's, there's, there's back a point there as well, lady. I mean, looking at the league right. table, I mean, Manchester United are seventh. You know, and again, looking at XG, we use XG like I said to you because it's it's got to us where we are, okay? And it's a really good indicator as to kind of like you know um, how teams are doing. You know, not necessarily the number of chances, but like I said, the quality of chances. Manchester United, you know, seventh place, uh, 32 points from 20 games. Okay, and the XG4 is 31.1. The XG against is 33. You know, now looking at Brentford, we are in 14th place, 23 points from 21 games. Okay, so, but our XG4 actually is 26.8 so we're slightly creating not quite as many chances as Manchester United okay so they're better up front as in chance creation but interestingly like you said defensively we're 30.9 and Manchester United are 33 so actually we are better and we think that we're quite terrible at the moment now like you know what I'm saying defensively you know we're a lot worse than we were before so again and I also have this belief that we we can get back to where we were you know does I need a few more games to actually get his fitness back you know and things like that so again it's a case of getting our defensive tightness back and hitting them on the break as it is so again as you say I believe that there are opportunities you believe there are opportunities but we need to actually start playing like Brentford did earlier on in the season I mean like I said excited you know many United fans are coming down again you know I've heard a few coaches United with Stan are bringing a coach down hopefully they might even see them down at the Globe a little bit later on this afternoon as well so that's going to be exciting actually kind of having the away fans in the corner make a little bit of noise Manchester United fans actually gracing our stadium isn't it Laney? Yeah, I'm looking forward to this one. You know, it's, it's the magnitude of the club is just off the scale tonight, and I'm, I'm not getting, I'm not going to get overawed. I'm not going to get all half and half in myself about it. It's you know, it's it, but you, you 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 have to you have to kind of give credit where credit's due and realise that you know this this is an exceptional club that are coming to to Brentford tonight, and yeah, I'm very proud that. I'm going to be there to watch it again. You know, we, we talked about this earlier in the season. I never thought I'd be witnessing this in my lifetime, um, and I am, and I'm I'm very grateful, and I will enjoy every moment of it as as, as much as I can tonight. And yeah, but it's going to be interesting seeing their fans. I did a couple of books last last year on Man United. Um, one on the big Man United book of the 70s, which. Um, which uh, you know, Brentford fans that bought the big Brentford book in the seventies will know the format of, um, and it, it was just incredible go, going through that and you know uh, putting in photographs of Best and Charlton and Macari and McElroy and Greenoff and Coppel and you know Jordan and McQueen. It was just like as I was growing up, all these players were just kind of, and the club were just off the scale compared to my Brentford. And my Brentford are playing them tonight, um, and arguably the, the Man United team that are come turning out tonight are, are better than all of those ones that were in the seventies. So uh, it, it is, it's a big night, mate. It really is. I'm going to ask you. You said about Scott McTom, okay? Um, mm. And listen, Danger Man as well. But I mean, obviously everyone's going to be talking about Ronaldo, top scorer with eight goals. Okay, Fernandez got seven, but Ronaldo got eight goals. Um, I'm worried to be about him. Very, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. You, you know, <laughs> for all the things he isn't anymore, he's still a million things he is. You know, he's still, 
you know, we've seen some of the goals that he scored since he he, he came back to uh, the Prem you know, last year. He's he's a, he's he's still a world class player. Um, he may not be working out, uh, you know, at the, at the club at the moment, but what they've got there is is you know one of the well, <laughs> arguably the best player that's ever played the game. So that's that's what we get tonight. Yeah, well, you get some grief from the crowd probably if he plays. Um, you get some stick, and you know, I'm sure there'll be some songs. And you know, I'm, I'm not sure we'll get the we'll get the respect he deserves necessarily. And you know, that's football. But um, yeah, it'll be incredible to to be watching him with our own eyes, won't it? Definitely, definitely. So, Laney, I'm going to ask you: Manchester United coming to New Griffin Park against the mighty Mighty Bees. School prediction. I'm going two one Brentford, mate. Oh. Um, and I actually that is that isn't heart over head actually. That's that's head and head tonight. Um, victory for Brentford. I'm going to go two nil to the mighty mighty bees as well. We're feeling See, confident. Even more impressive. That's wow. Right. Yeah, we need we need a result, you know. And I think you know under the lights with the crowd singing tonight, I think this is going to be our night, Laney, as we say. So anyway. This is the Besotted Pride of West London podcast brought to you by Anything Is Possible, AIP.media. Please subscribe to us on all good podcast channels and write a review on iTunes if you like what you do. Or we like what you do, what we do as well. Also, (laughs) don't forget to go to besotted.com forward slash beer if you like what we do and buy us a beer. We thank you, everybody that's bought us beers and there's loads of characters out there that have bought us beers that we're going to give you shout outs for when the schedule gets a little bit more chilled because it's still been a bit mad. Let's have a catch catch up next week with all all the beer purchasing. It gives everyone an opportunity to get their beers bought in now to get mentioned next week <laughs> yeah no yeah that's right because like i said you've been sort of kind of saturday wednesday saturday wednesday again this month still you know so we've got a chill out coming as well so we will definitely have some words with you characters and have some laughs as well other than that like i said to you we've got another podcast coming fairly soon we've got a wolves game so check that out probably in the next day or two as we've got wolves as well we're gonna have a wolves fan on there giving us the lowdown on wolverhampton wanderers then after that we have an inter- well, it's an international. We've got a we've got a mid-season break. It's got a winter break. Woo-hoo. Yeah, which is the time that we can chill, the time that we can go away, the time that we can just do different things. So, looking forward to getting to that break with Brentford solidified in a good position with some players under the belt. My name is Billy Grant, and I've very much enjoyed talking to you. And I've got Laney in the house. Yeah, enjoy the game tonight, boys and girls. Uh, sing your hearts out for the lads. Sing your hearts out for the lads, as we say. Come on. Come on, you bees. Come on, you bees. The Talksport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.